Hey everybody, this is Pedro Chung, and welcome to Bible Sumo Weekly, a Bible study podcast for everyday Christians. We are continuing our series in the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph. Episode title, Jacob's Son's First Trip to Egypt. In today's episode, we are covering Genesis chapter 42. Now, let me just give you a brief review. You'll remember in Genesis 37, we start the life of Joseph beginning with his childhood life with his brothers and Jacob. And you'll recall that because of the jealousy of Joseph's brothers, Joseph's brothers sold Joseph to slavery. And Joseph was brought to Egypt initially in Potiphar's house, and then subsequently he was sent to prison because of false accusations by Potiphar's wife. And Joseph remained in prison for a couple of years before interpreting the dreams of two of his fellow prisoners. One of the prisoners became the cupbearer in Pharaoh's court. And when Pharaoh had his two dreams and those dreams were not successfully interpreted by people in his court, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. And so Joseph was brought to the court of Pharaoh, and he successfully interprets Pharaoh's dreams, that there will be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh then makes Joseph the prime minister, or the vizier, of Egypt, being second in charge, and he oversaw the operations to collect the food and to store the food in preparation for the seven years of famine. So Genesis chapter 39 to 41 serves as an interlude to describe all the changes that take place in Joseph's life over a period of 20 to 22 years, from the time he was 17 years old till he was 39 years old. But it also seemed that during these last 20 years, that Jacob's family, who were still in Canaan, they appeared unchanged in that same time interval. So now in Genesis 42, we continue the storyline of Jacob's family, where we had left off at the end of Genesis 37. The outline for this chapter is as follows. First, Joseph's brothers are sent to Egypt in verse 1 to 5. Second, Joseph's brothers are held custody, verses 6 to 17. Third, Joseph's brothers are sent back to Canaan, verses 18 to 28. And finally, Joseph's brothers bereave Jacob, verse 29 to 38. So let's begin with the first section, Joseph's brothers sent to Egypt. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So chapter 42 begins with Jacob learning that there was grain for sale in Egypt. And so seeing a possible solution to their problem of starvation because of the severe famine, Jacob speaks out as the patriarch. 
Now, Jacob's sons were idled because there was no grass for their sheep to graze, and their livestock were likely dying of starvation, but these sons took no action. So, Jacob rebukes his sons for their inactivity, their inaction, and he commands them to go to Egypt to purchase grain so that the family can survive. Now, Jacob sends all of his 10 older sons, but he did not send Benjamin. And the text states that Jacob feared that harm may come to Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was Jacob's only other son through Rachel, his beloved wife. And you'll remember that Jacob had worked for his father-in-law Laban for 14 years to marry the love of his life, Rachel. Now, Rachel had been barren for a long time, infertile, but she finally bears a son and had Joseph. But then she dies during the childbirth of her second son, Benjamin. So, Joseph's only full brother was Benjamin. His other 10 brothers, his 10 older brothers, were actually his half-brothers. Now, having lost Joseph, or so he thought, Jacob appeared to have shifted his favoritism from Joseph to Benjamin. And so, to lose his only other son from his beloved Rachel, it would have been too much for Jacob to bear. So, wanting to protect Benjamin, Jacob sends his ten older sons to Egypt. Now, the narrator reiterates that this famine had affected the land of Canaan. And so, the sons of Jacob, Jacob's family, they had no choice but to come to Egypt to buy grain like the other surrounding people. Well, let's continue the chapter to the second section. Joseph's brothers held custody. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamt of them. And he said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, No, my lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, No, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, We, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you, or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. 
So verse 6 reiterates that Joseph was the governor, delegated by the king of Egypt to rule over Egypt. He was the one who was responsible for selling the grain to all the people of the land. And then the moment happened. Joseph's brothers come and they bow down with their faces to the ground before Joseph. And so we now see the beginnings of the fulfillment of Joseph's two dreams where his brother's sheaves bow down to Joseph's and where the sun, moon, and stars in the sky bow low to him, as we had first encountered back in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 to 11. But the brothers, as they were bowing down to Joseph, they did not know that the prime minister of Egypt was in fact their brother. Now, how could Joseph's brothers not recognize Joseph? Well, it's simple. First, more than 20 years have elapsed. Joseph was only 17 years old when he was sold by his brothers to slavery. And now he was in his late 30s or early 40s. Joseph was adorned with Egyptian linen and fine jewelry, and he was also clean-shaven. And you'll notice that throughout these next few chapters, that Joseph is careful not to speak. So his brothers never heard his voice directly. And by not speaking directly to his brothers in his native Hebrew dialect, but rather communicating using the Egyptian language through an interpreter, Joseph was able to conceal his true identity. Now, imagine 22 years later seeing your family for the first time. What mixed emotions Joseph must have felt. I mean, he must have felt surprised. I mean, could Joseph, in the midst of the greatest domestic catastrophe of his time, have anticipated this moment of seeing his brothers? He might have felt at least a bit of resentment. I mean, Joseph would have remembered the callous indifference his brothers had shown him while he was screaming for help while being trafficked by his brothers to the Midianite traders as sold property. And he must have felt some degree of awe because we see in the text here that Joseph did remember his two divine dreams fulfilled in this scene. What awe he must have felt to see God's invisible hand of providence at work. So we learn here that Joseph immediately recognized his brothers, even though it's been over 20 years, and yet his brothers did not recognize Joseph. Now, what we see coming next is Joseph playing a shrewd game with his brothers for the purpose of corrective discipline and restoration. And It's likened to remembering the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 when they had sinned. And you remember that God was calling out to them and he was saying, Adam and Eve, where are you? Almost feigning ignorance that he did not know where Adam was or what he had done. And parents can do sometimes the same thing with their children feigning great anger or disappointment with their children for pedagogical purposes that might lead their children to repentance. So what we see coming next is Joseph scheming to both test and correct his brothers 
for the purpose of leading them to repentance so that there might be restoration and reconciliation. You see, if Joseph had disclosed himself as the person in charge of the food supply, his brothers would have likely groveled for forgiveness. But that would not reveal to Joseph what was his brother's true character. Joseph needed to determine if his brothers were repentant for their sin against him. And so we see here that Joseph had at least three goals when he saw his brothers. First, he wanted to know the state of his father, Jacob. Second, he wanted to know the state of his brother, Benjamin. And third, he wanted to see his brother's true character to see if repentance and restoration was possible. Now, how do we know that Joseph still loved his brothers? Well, we'll later see that Joseph will intermittently excuse himself to another room to weep over his brothers and his family. But to start here at the outset, Joseph purposely acts as a stranger, and he speaks roughly to them, saying, Where do you come from? Joseph then accuses his brothers of being spies, and this would have been a reasonable conclusion made by the prime minister of Egypt. I mean, normally, because there were so many people coming to buy food, you would assume that there would be just one family representative, for that would be sufficient to buy food for the family. I mean, for example, if your family needed food at the grocery store, and you were a large family, you wouldn't send the entire family to the grocery store. You would send one or at most two people. But in this case, 10 brothers came together for the purchase of food, and so this would immediately look suspicious. So Joseph's brothers then disclose important information to Joseph, reporting that Benjamin was still alive and well. And by explaining to Joseph that Benjamin was still with his father, His brothers also revealed that his father Jacob was still alive and well also. And they had also revealed that they had thought that Joseph had died. And so, without much effort, Joseph had already accomplished his first two goals of knowing the welfare of his father Jacob as well as his full brother Benjamin. So now, to accomplish his third goal, to gauge his brother's character, Joseph engineers a test, and his test would include keeping his brothers in prison, but allowing one to return to Canaan to bring back Benjamin. And should the one brother bring back the youngest brother, all the brothers will be exonerated. And so Joseph keeps all the brothers in prison for three days to think about this proposal. So let's turn to the third section of this chapter, Joseph's brothers sent back to Canaan. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households, and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul 
where you begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against a boy, but you did not listen? So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, My money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? So after three days, Joseph has had more time to think about his scheme. And to see if his brothers have changed, Joseph's test would ultimately require Benjamin to come to Egypt. Benjamin's return to Egypt with his brothers was the primary goal. So instead of just sending one brother back to Canaan, Joseph decides to send nine of his ten half-brothers back. Now, he would keep one brother in custody. Perhaps he had had second thoughts that detaining nine of ten brothers would leave his father utterly devastated. So he commands his brothers to return with Benjamin. And if they return with Benjamin to prove the veracity of their words, they will be spared. Otherwise, Joseph threatens their lives based on his accusation of them being spies. So Joseph allows his brothers to purchase and bring food back to Canaan, back to Jacob and the rest of the family. But he knew that this famine would last another five years, and so his brothers will need to return eventually for more food. Now notice Joseph's brothers' response. They immediately connote this situation with their guilt concerning Joseph. Now, this is the first time in the Genesis narrative where it is revealed that Joseph's brothers felt guilt and remorse for their sin against Joseph. They still remembered Joseph's distress when they bound him and sold him to the Midianite traders. And they remember ignoring Joseph while he pled to his brothers for mercy. That is why this distress has come upon us, they said. And these additional details of Joseph's anguish, they weren't actually given in the original account back in Genesis chapter 37. Now, Joseph overhears all of his brother's conversations. All this was visible to Joseph. And so in verse 24, it states that Joseph turned away from them and wept. The Genesis narrative never ever described Joseph breaking down when he was sold to slavery. Never did Joseph lose control of his emotions in Potiphar's house or while in prison. But hearing his brother's expressions of guilt and remorse, this finally broke Joseph. 
and envisioning the possibility of repentance and restoration, it overwhelmed Joseph with emotion. So once Joseph had recomposed himself, he purposely takes Simeon and he bounds him before his brothers. And this is analogous to Joseph being bound himself by his brothers when he was 17. Now, I said that Joseph's main test, it required the return of Benjamin. Now, the smaller test was taking Simeon captive and seeing for how long the brothers would abandon Simeon. But the main test required Benjamin. So, Joseph continues and he gives another order. He asks his servants to fill the brothers' bags with food. But he also ordered them to return every man's money. Now, the trip from Canaan to Egypt for the brothers was probably at least 250 kilometers or 150 miles. So the return from Egypt back to Canaan likely took at least several days. And so it was while they were returning home that one of the brothers realized that his money had remained with him in his sack and noticed the brother's response. They said, What is this that God has done to us? Now, if they were truly honest men, they probably should have returned to Egypt to disclose that they had still had their money. But perhaps they were almost back to Canaan already, so maybe it made more sense for them to complete the trip to Canaan first. But what we do know for sure is that the brothers were gripped with fear when they saw the money because it meant that proving their innocence to the prime minister, they just got a lot harder. Now let's look at the final section of this chapter. Joseph's brothers bereave Jacob. When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your households, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men, and I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I don't bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you. For his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. 
If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Now, in the Genesis narrative, the author throughout Genesis uses a literal device of recapitulation to retell details of the story. Back in Genesis chapter 41, you'll remember that the third-person omniscient narrator describes Pharaoh's two dreams. But later in the same chapter, the narrator would describe Pharaoh retelling his two dreams to Joseph. And it's in this recapitulation that we gain additional detail and insight. And we actually see in the second retelling of the dream how disturbed Pharaoh was by his two dreams. So when Moses wrote the Pentateuch, writing space was a premium. So whenever there is the use of recapitulation, there is generally a purpose. And more often than not, the purpose is to place emphasis. So here in the last section of this chapter, the brothers report back to their father Jacob what had happened during their first visit to Egypt. And in this recapitulation, the brothers were very careful to leave out the negatives and paint the most positive picture possible. For example, they didn't tell their father Jacob that they had been imprisoned for three days. And they did not initially share about the money that was found in one of their sacks that was discovered on their way home. They did share with their father that the prime minister spoke roughly to them and accused them of being spies. And they told Jacob that they had disclosed that Benjamin was left alone with their father and Joseph was no more. They also told Jacob that the prime minister asked that they prove that they were not spies, and to do so, they would need to bring Benjamin back to prove the veracity of their word and their story. But actually, what Joseph told his brothers was that they needed to return Benjamin so that they shall live and not die. That was not disclosed to their father. Now, Simeon remained captive in Egypt. And so only a return trip back with Benjamin will exonerate their brothers and allow Simeon to be freed. And it's at the end of this recapitulation of the story that the additional detail is given in verse 35. Let me read it again. Every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. Now, you would think that if one of the brothers had found his money in his sack on their return trip home, that the other brothers would have looked also at their own sacks. But the text remains silent here. So, all we know is that when they had returned home, the truth was revealed to Jacob, and perhaps it was revealed involuntarily. But all their money was still with them, and this was disclosed to their father Jacob. Now, I remember one time when my family walked out of a, a restaurant, there was a waitress that accosted me because I had not placed my signature on the credit card receipt. Now, imagine purchasing months of food supply for a household of over 70 people and not paying for those supplies. Now, listen as I read again Jacob's response when he sees all the money had been returned. 
He says to his sons, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. So you see here that Jacob has still not forgiven his brothers for returning without Joseph. And Jacob had every reason to believe Simeon would have been executed when the prime minister had found out that these brothers had taken all the food supplies without paying. So there was absolutely no way Jacob was going to let his sons take Benjamin and now risk his life. Now, let's pause for a minute. Realize that every conclusion that Jacob had just made was based on logical deduction and reasoning based on the information that had been provided to him. And yet, every one of Jacob's conclusions was false. Jacob's empirical analysis was completely wrong, and it could not be further from the truth. Jacob says, Joseph is no more. Now, remember that back in Genesis chapter 37, that Jacob had been given forensic evidence by his sons that Joseph had been killed. So, Jacob had to have assumed that Joseph was no more. But not only was Joseph still alive, he was now Egypt's prime minister. Jacob said that Simeon is no more. And so, when Jacob saw that his sons had returned without paying for the food, he had to assume that Simeon would have been executed. And yet, not only was Simeon still alive, he was never more safe and secure than now under the protection of Joseph. Jacob said, all this has come against me. That is, everything is against me, thought Jacob. But Jacob didn't get the opportunity to read the Apostle Paul when he writes that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. So at the moment that Jacob cried out, everything is against me, never had more been orchestrated by the invisible hand of God for his blessing. And in short time, his entire family will be saved from this famine. Well, at the end of this section, we see that Reuben tells his father to let him go back to Egypt with Benjamin. And should Benjamin not return unharmed, he would ask his father Jacob to kill both of his sons, that is, Jacob's grandsons. Now, Jacob quickly passes up on that offer. He probably was thinking Joseph is dead, and now Benjamin is his only son remaining from Rachel. The first time Jacob's sons returned, they came back without Joseph. The second time Jacob's sons returned, they returned without Simeon. How could he now risk Benjamin? And again, he reiterates that if anything were to happen to Benjamin, Jacob would be in so much despair that he would not be able to live. Jacob probably thought that the grain that his sons had acquired would outlast the famine, but he didn't have the knowledge that this famine was going to last another five years, and the famine was only going to get more severe. 
And so we see here that Jacob's obstinance was fueled by the hope that they may survive without a second return to Egypt. But as we'll soon see, this will not be the case. And Jacob will need to change his mind and send Benjamin back to Egypt for the survival of his entire family. Thanks for listening to Bible Sumo Weekly. For more information about me or this podcast, visit our website at biblesumo.com. And you can always send me questions and feedback by direct messaging me on Twitter at BibleSumo. In our next episode, we will continue our series in the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph. And we will see Jacob sending his beloved son, Benjamin, with his other sons for their second trip to Egypt. Follow our podcasts and listen to our Bible studies each and every week here at Bible Sumo Weekly.